0: For the Spirit of God that dwells in us, the teacher, the guide, Father, the speaker, the one who reveals and explains and instructs to us, uh, Father, your word, what it means to us, Father, how to apply it to our lives and how to become successful and victorious Christians each and every day. And Father, we thank you for these things. We give you the the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. We'll get started today. I was reading after this one pastor, he'd written a book uh, many years ago, just kind of a hand, uh, handbook for pastors. And he said that one of the things he does, uh, that he did, is he did a verse by verse study from Genesis to Revelation. And he said it took him 17 years to get it done. And so <laughs> I'm thinking, well, you know, if we did the whole book, I don't know if we have enough time in, you know, the known universe to do that, you know, because we spent six years just on, on Galatians, right? or so, and uh, we're just in Galatians and Ephesians, but um, he recommends that, that they do, uh, of course, it's just a, it's just his thoughts, but uh, one New Testament book, one Old Testament book, and um, I don't know how I feel about that, because um, I love the Old Testament there, but uh, we live in the New Testament, and of course, the whole counsel of God is everything, right, so the Lord gave us the Old Testament too, so, you know, maybe I have to pull out an Old Testament book here and there and uh, study it. I, I remember my pastor uh, he has started doing a verse by verse study in the book of Genesis and spent many years on that. And, and he got to uh, he got to Enoch, which I don't recall what chapter that is in the book of Genesis, but it's pretty early on. Right. Um, and he got sidetracked to end time events and spent uh, the, really the rest of his life because he passed away in 2007 talking about end time events because of Enoch. Uh, and never did get back to uh, so I don't know what the end of the story was in Genesis. I don't know, you know. So we can only do the first, you know, five or ten chapters of Genesis. That's all I know. And, uh, but um, but it was actually it was a good study because uh, the study of Genesis, you know, sets everything off right. How did the Lord put things together? And and uh, that may not be a bad study. Of course, the only problem with Genesis is there's 50 chapters in the book of Genesis, right? And we spent six years on the six chapters of of, uh, of, of, of Galatians, right? And so. <laughs> Uh, it may take us 50 years to get through the book of Genesis, right? But after you get past a certain part, you know, of course, Abraham's in there around chapter 17, but kind of once you get, things to accelerate, once you get past Abraham and and um, and so there's a lot of a lot of drama that goes on in, in the book of Genesis there. Uh, and uh, it always amazed me about how the Lord was able to successfully get the Lord Jesus into the earth. Through the the um, ancestry of mankind, as terrible and as awful as mankind had been, uh, and and all the crazy things that they did, and all the 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 harlotry and, and all the uh, family incest and the murders and the, you know the backstabbing and all that, you know all that's in the Bible, and, and yet the Lord still made it to the earth successfully. I think it took him longer, you know, than than uh, because he had to depend on people than if he could just do it straight without the, the help of and assistance of people. But he needed people because he had to be born of man. Uh, and so the Bible says in the fullness of time, so it took him, you know, uh, basically 2,000 years or so, I guess about 4,000 years um, to get here onto the earth uh, from the time of Adam to, to the Lord Jesus. And so uh, that's real slow. Amen. So uh, if it took Jesus 4,000 years to get something done, don't ever complain that we spent a few years reading one book, okay? Yeah. So, um, and, so, um, and if we don't get it done here, we'll just pick it up in heaven and we'll keep on going, right? Uh, we'll still have to learn faith when we get to heaven, I'm sure. So, so here we are, we're, we're in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and I can see the end of the chapter here, but you know, we've been on verse 18 for a while, and we'll just, we'll just work it till we're done, right? But verse 18 says, uh, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching there with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So praying always, you know, there should be a general attitude of prayer in your life. Amen. There should be have a you should have an open communication with the Lord and just talk to him. And, you know, I talk to him all the time. I ask him questions all the time, you know, especially some things related to the Bible or just, you know, ask him, you know, well, you know, why did this happen? You know, why did you do things that way? And, you know, what's the cause of, you know, you know, all these things and and um, uh, and, you know, of course, I do ask him uh, for assistance with people and, you know, prayers of faith and that types of things. But it's it's more than just prayers are not just always asking for things. Amen. prayer can be fellowship and prayer can be uh, uh, having a relationship with the Lord. It's really praying is, is really any kind of communication that you have with the Lord. Right. And in, in the realm of the supernatural. Uh, and so uh, because of that, that's why we're studying the different types of prayers and the, really the different types of ways that we communicate with them. Uh, But uh, there is a general fellowship that we can have with the Lord, uh, and it's helpful and healthy to have a good uh, working relationship with the Lord. Amen. Some people, you know, they're almost afraid to have an open relationship with the Lord. Uh, And, you know, and, and I've observed this, too. It's kind of the same thing when when I see people that they'll read a thousand books about the Bible, but they rarely actually read the Bible. And, uh, and, and I don't really know why, it's, why it is. You know, maybe people feel like it's, it's too much for them. Uh, you know, uh, for me personally, the more that I read the Word of God, the simpler it is, you know, the more it all makes sense, right? It's like, oh, you know, put these things together, and, and I'm always amazed at these commentaries who say, well, you know, uh, why they said this, we don't know, and I'm thinking, well, but they said that because of this, this, and this, and this, right? Uh, and it's really not that, not that complicated. Of course, my friend, my friend, Brother Randy keeps trying to pressure me into to uh, he wants me to write a commentary of the Bible. Uh, and, and, um, and and maybe he's watching. I don't know. You know, we'll see. Uh, and I told him, well, you know, uh, Finnis Dake, who wrote a commentary of the Bible that, that I enjoy. Uh, I said he spent uh, he, he recorded that he spent about one hundred thousand hours writing his commentary. One hundred thousand. That's a lot of hours. Right. I mean, if you did a full time job, that's about two thousand hours a year so a hundred thousand would be 50 years every single day eight hours a day for 50 years is what it would take to do that right now of course he spent way more than eight hours a day you know from my understanding and and, uh you know all night long and i mean just just long laborious hours in doing uh doing his things i mean it, it consumed his life you know uh and um and i'm not opposed to writing a commentary you know if the lord said write a commentary i'd write a commentary but um uh, it just, the, the size of that task, course, is kind of like our healing scriptures book. You know, if I had known how big that project was before I got started, you know, I don't know that uh, I would have signed up for that. But uh, it's all good, though, amen? Uh, we're glad for the, uh, for the effort and, and the, uh, the results of that. But prayer should be, you should have, a, you should have a, a good working relationship with the Lord, a good working relationship with the Word of God, and a good working relationship with the Spirit of God. You know if you'll do those things then really you know the lord has the ability to correct you and adjust your life and get you to where you need to be so many times people shy away as christians you know not talking about the world but as christians they shy away from the presence of god and from the presence of his word and, and the leading of his spirit and until their life becomes a crisis and then they need god to bail them out and of course he's merciful and kind but you know you, there is a way that you can live a life uh, in fact uh, where they're in Ephesians turn over to the book of Jude um, uh, if you look in the book of Jude the, the small book right there before the book of Revelation uh, there at the end of that uh, the book there is only one chapter uh, he says in verse 24 now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy you know, there is a potential in your life that you never fall. You know what he says? To him who is able to keep you from falling. So is the Lord able to keep you from falling? That's what it says, right? So you have the potential. You know, people all the time just, they diminish the word of God. Well, you know, nobody's perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. And there, there, there's truth to, to that, but that's, a, that's kind of a cop-out. If, if that's your excuse for always failing, well, you know, nobody's perfect. You know, you are not even trying. You should always try, Lord, I'm going to be perfect the rest of my life uh, because of this verse right here, not because I'm perfect, not because I I do no wrong, but because you can keep me from that. So it it doesn't mean that he didn't say that you were going to have opportunities to fall Well, all the all the days of your life. As long as you breathe air, you will have an opportunity to fall either through your own flesh or through uh, the actions of others or through the temptation of the the enemy of mankind. Um, You will have an opportunity to fall. The question is, what do you do in that moment? Do you yield and fall? Do you yield and, and say the things that you shouldn't have said? Or do you yield and do the things you shouldn't do? Or do you recognize and go, you know, I'm, I choose not to do that. I choose not to say that. Uh, so uh, so we so we have the potential to live that way. Amen. And so we're here. Let's turn over to Philippians uh, chapter 4 then. So in Philippians chapter 4, uh, we're, we're studying the prayer commitment, uh, committing all of our Uh, all of our problems to the Lord. So uh, we talked about the prayer of consecration dedication, which is you consecrate your life to the will of God. Lord, I'm here to do your will. Whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm willing to do. That's the prayer of consecration dedication. But the prayer of commitment uh, is, Lord, there's all this pressure in my life. I'm going to commit those to you for you to deal with them however you see fit. Uh, And so uh, we're looking at the foundation of, of scriptures of why do we have the ability to do that? Uh, and, uh, and of course, I think one of the greatest places to start is here, in Philippians chapter four, and verse six. It says, "Be careful for nothing." Uh, and of course, we read the amplified for that. It says, uh, "Do not fret or have any anxiety about what anything." anything right. So, how many things are? are uh, is it okay to worry about or to care about or to have anxiety about? None. What things are worthy? For you to be anxious about. Well, if it's a little thing, you know, I don't, I don't sweat the small things, you know. But the big things, you know, I, I, do, I am anxious about those things, right? Is that okay? No, because are the big things part of the all things? Well, the big things are part of the all things. The small things are part of the all things. Your children are part of the all things. Your spouse are, uh, are part of the all things. Your, your bank account's part of the all things. Your health is part of the all things. Your house is part of the all things. Your pet is part of the all things. I mean, you know, we could go on obviously forever because how many things are part of the all things? Everything. Well, that would be everything, right? I mean, that's kind of a uh, I mean, see, you all are smarter than a lot of PhDs already, right? All things mean all things. Uh, well, it doesn't really mean all things, but that's what it says. Right. And, and so uh, the simple reading of the word of God is sufficient uh, most of the time for what it means. Right. Uh, and so be careful for nothing. So that right there is a measure for you to determine, are you in the will of God in your life? So if, if you go to bed thinking about this thing and you wake up thinking about this thing and you in the middle of the night, you're thinking about this thing. And while you're working, you are thinking about this thing. Then whatever that thing is, uh, you're anxious about. And, and so wor- the worry of that, the care of that is uh is what it's talking about, that very thing, whatever that thing is, right? So sometimes it's money, sometimes it's health, sometimes it's whatever. You know, am I going to get that car? Am I going to get that job? Uh, whatever that thing is, the Bible says, be careful for nothing. So there's nothing really that, that uh, is worthy uh, that, of us uh, violating the scripture for. And, you know, worry and fretting and anxiety and care are in the soulless realm. Right. It's not in your spirit, man. It's in your soulless soul. It's, it's primarily in your mind. Right? It's in your thought life. Uh, and, you know, having a, a good sound mind, which the Bible says we can have a sound mind. Right. Uh, he told us in Second Timothy one seven, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a love power and of a sound mind. Well, that sound mind is, is is a mind that's free from worry, free from fretting, free from anxiety. And wouldn't it be nice to have a life that's just free from anxiety? You know, oh, you don't even know enough to worry. Uh, you know, what does that even mean, right? I mean, uh, are, 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 the more intelligent you get, does that mean you're, you worry more? Uh, now, you know, for some people, more information means more worry, right? Oh, I didn't know it was bad as that. Now that you told me, you know, I'm really worried about it now. But five seconds ago, you didn't know about it. So how does that change anything? I mean, you didn't know about it then. Now, you know, my, uh, now, the, the uh, part of the problem with, with these types of verses is that many Christians will use psychology and mind games to to overcome these situations. Uh, and, and they'll say, well, you know, uh, maybe it's not as bad as it looks. Probably could be just as bad as it looks. Does it matter if it's as bad as it looks? What if it is as bad as it looks? What if it's twice as bad as it looks? Does that change anything? It doesn't change anything, but... You know, but we'll, we'll use mental games to try to, to diminish the worry. But that's not faith. Faith says, it doesn't matter how big it is, God's my answer. So, well, it's a big thing. Well, then God's a bigger answer. It's a little thing. Well, then God's a small answer. But is God the answer for all of our woes and cares and concerns? He is. And if you believe that, see, then, it, then, then you know, you do have to deal with the initial reaction of your flesh of, of um, you know, what am I going to do about this? But if you're, if you're a person of faith, the more that you walk in faith, the easier it is to look at the situation no matter how big it is. And, and, and just even if you don't know the answer to it, and, and one thing that Chris and I have gotten into the habit over the years, if something happens, you know, financial or physical, whatever it is, we'll just say, let's just see how what God does. Because we don't know. We don't have any idea how we're going to get from here to the other side. You know, Jesus said we're going to the other side. He never said there was going to be storms. He never said there wasn't going to be storms. He said we're going to the other side. And a lot of Christians say, oh, he said we're going to the other side. And then a storm heads go, what do we do? You don't do anything. He said we're going to the other side. He didn't say there wouldn't be storms and hurricanes and tornadoes along the way. He said we're going to the other side, which implied we're going to the other side successfully. implies we're going to the other side with great joy, with peace. Now, see, Jesus was at peace in the storm, wasn't he? Where was he during the storm? He was asleep. Well, don't you know better than that? I mean, you just don't know enough to worry about, don't you? I mean, that, people will say dumb things like that, right? Was Jesus concerned about the storm? Why? Because his faith had already gone forth that we're going to the other side. Now, did did he just mean that for that one instance? Or did he mean that for all of us that were getting to the other side? He meant that for all of us, right? It was not just he didn't write that story because it was cool and, uh, and uh, made it up. You know, And that some biblical scholars believe that those stories aren't real, that they just... You know, they're just kind of made up stories to make us feel good, right? Are you? Have you ever met Jesus? Are you saved? You know, uh, you wonder about people sometimes. But the reason why we don't worry—not because there's no storms. See, a a person free of storms—they don't really know if they're in faith or not. Not that you have to have storms to be in faith, but uh, you know, if you if your faith has never been tried, you may not even know if you've got it. You know, you ever you ever owned a tool? It had been on a shelf for a thousand years, never opened it up. You know, I bet a John's got boxes of those, right? Never opened them, <laughs> and so uh, you know you and you pay well, I don't even know what to do with this, right? Never been used, never been tried. Don't even know if it works, yeah. And so and you look at it's like it needs special batteries that don't even aren't even made anymore, right? Uh, and so uh, that's the way some people's faith is. You know, never been tried, never been tested, never been used. Uh, and uh, again, you don't have to go through trials and temptations for your faith to to work, uh, uh, but you know if you have if you have gone through tests and trials it is good to know that your faith is working right uh and so i'd much rather look at the circumstances that jesus went through and said okay then i'm going to get that faith without having to to go through that thing uh and so and because some people do believe that that you're never going to mount to anything unless you've gone through some tests and trials and I, you know I, that's not really biblical uh but um uh, you know the the thing all of us are going to going to go through tempts and trials. Remember what we read with Jesus on uh, Sunday morning about overcoming. He said, uh, in this world you'll have tribulation, right? So he did say that you're going to experience things, amen, tribulations, tests and trials, uh, difficult uh, circumstances. Uh, And so it's not realistic to think that you're never going to have to deal with anything. So it's better to learn how to obtain the faith prior to those things coming so then when you come you go, oh, I've got a tool just for that. It's right over here. It's on the third shelf. I just go pick it up and here, here's the faith tool for that particular problem. I already know how to deal with it. I don't have to go and beg God, please, you know, save me in mercy uh, and, and get me out of the situation. So the, the, the care and the fretting and the anxiety is in the mental realm. And it will completely consume you. If you're not careful, worries and frets will consume your life. And you will not be able to function as a, as a human being. You'll, you'll, you'll just be a zombie. You'll go through the, go through the motions. And, and look, I'm, I'm speaking from experience. I know what it's like to live a life that your entire thought life is consumed by worry. Uh, and I did that for years. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the situation I've told you many times about with my pastor in, in the church and just years of persecution, you know, from the pulpit, from the pulpit, right? Not in private, but publicly, and other people in the church, publicly in the church, uh, accusing me of all manner of evil that I hadn't done. Uh, and, uh, you know, my pastor accused me one time from the pulpit that I was trying to take over his ministry. Uh, can you imagine saying that about somebody from the pulpit? I mean, just ask him to leave the church, because that would be a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? If they're trying to take over the ministry, then, they're, they're, then just, they don't need to be in that church, right? If you're just trying to subvert the pastor and overtake, you know, overthrow him, I mean, uh, and, uh, you know, for me personally, I always made sure uh, because, you know, I've seen it where, you know, if somebody gets crossways with somebody, then what that person will do is they'll go get all the people around them to get on their side and be against that guy, right? whoever the guy is oh, hey, you know, he's really not that great of a guy. Let's overthrow him, right? So they'll get a following to try to split a church. And and I always made sure that uh, if anybody ever came up and on occasion, people come up and they, they would show pity towards me. Man, he sure is hard on you tonight, you know. Uh, and, and I would always reject that. Like, No, I'm not having a following. I am not going to build uh, a, a, an allegiance against the pastor. And so my heart was always clean, you know, because I, I know uh, I've read Psalm 18. And David said that the Lord protected him because of the cleanness of his hands. That's why I love the word of God, because it tells me how I'm supposed to act in the middle of the storm. Even though I didn't know how to get out of it, I knew not what to do. I knew, I knew what I shouldn't be doing, which is to build a following and to overthrow the pastor. One person even said, well, you need to stand up in public and rebuke the pastor in the church about him doing those things. I'm like, yeah, right, I'm going to do that. Just, I'll get right on that, you know. Uh, like, you've never read the Bible ever, have you, right? You ever heard this, this, this unknown king named David and Saul, you know? What did he do with Saul? Did he ever attack Saul? You know, no. In, in fact, what did he call Saul even after he died? He called him God's anointed, right, the, uh, uh, the anointed king. Uh, and he always spoke of Saul with honor and respect, even though Saul was really a jerk towards him, right, mean and unkind and hateful and tried to kill him many times. Yet you know, David still honored him, and I learned from those things. And in the midst of the difficulties, you know, and I can't tell you how many people tried to subvert the pastor and try to overthrow him either behind the scenes or the other people, uh, and, and, uh, and they justified it. Well, you know, he's just wrong. Well, he was wrong. And many, many things doesn't change the fact that I'm going to follow the word of God. Amen. Follow the examples. Why do you think the Lord gave us the example of David and Saul? Because sometimes there's a Saul in your life. Sometimes there's somebody over you that's trying to harm you. Well, what do you do? You, 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 you take them out. That's what you do, right? No, you, you, you hold your tongue and you let the Lord deal with it. Right. Uh, as he sees fit. Uh, and uh, because vengeance is his right. Not mine. And if the Lord wants to have mercy like he did with Nineveh. Thank, thank God, you know, for mercy. Amen. Lord, I thank you for mercy. Uh, and um, I remember one time uh, we got in a bad habit at the church. We'd have guest speakers come in and then, then the next service after they would leave, like a Wednesday service after they would be gone, then the pastor would sort of, you know, what do you think about him? Do you like that verse? No, I don't like that verse at all, pastor. You know, and I thought how we said that thing over there, I thought it was wrong. And, you know, and this person over there was, and we just start railing against these, these traveling ministers you know, in public, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, uh, uh, this person, right or wrong, has given up everything for the Lord. And maybe they're not the best minister in the whole wide world, but, you know, I don't know who, who is the best minister in the whole wide world. I don't know anybody who's actually that person, right? Uh, but they gave up everything for the Lord, their jobs and their, their houses and their careers and whatever it was to, uh, to follow the Lord. And I'm thinking, what have you given up? You know, you get to go to your cushy job every day and go home every night to your wife and to your kids and you don't have to travel and get in airplanes and and sleep in, in, you know, strange places and eat strange food. and You know, you've got a cushy life and and you're ragging on this minister. Uh, And they kept going on and on and and finally the pastor asked me, you know, uh, Chip, what do you think? And I said, uh, I said, Pastor, I said, I just thank God that he's a merciful God. Uh, And then, you know, you could just hear the... (laughs) And, you know, the people in the sanctuary just, you know, mad at me because, you know, who do you think you are? You think you're all that, you know, then they would have that attitude, you know, because I said, you know, I'm, I thank God for mercy. But don't we thank God for mercy? Right. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not going to play those games, you know. Uh, and and, um, uh, and, you know, and I tell you a lot of those stories because those those events will occur here in this ministry on occasion, too. Right. We will get somebody who comes in and tries to rag on me. And, and I, have I ever said I'm perfect? I mean, I've never told you that I'm perfect. Well, I actually have one or two twice, you know. And I, and I'm, not, I'm pretty close to perfect, right? But I'm not actually perfect. Uh, but, you know, there will be people come in here. And, you know, even if they're correct in what they say, well, you know, he said that was First John 3, 4. It was really First John 4, 3. I mean, you know, has he ever read the Bible? I mean, come on, right? Uh, and they'll say those things because they're going to try to do to diminish your confidence in the ministry here. Amen? Uh, and, you know, so I tell you this because it will help you to go, no, I'm not listening to that. Even if they're true, right? Even if they're right. Because, see, they could come to me and correct me. You'd be okay, right? And I've had people come, you know, that you said it was 10, it was really five. Thanks. I mean, you know, it, it wasn't constructive criticism. It was, you know, you're wrong and I just want to let you know that. Okay, thanks. I'm, I'm glad that, that you've given up so much for the Lord to tell me that it was five instead of 10, right? Uh, and so, uh, so uh, worry and fret will consume your life. So, uh, and I was telling you about that for my life That with my pastor. It got to a point where every waking moment, I, the, the thoughts of the injustice and the conflict and why, why are they doing this to me? Because, you know, to be honest, the Lord had told me to go to that church. The Lord told me to go and, and serve that pastor. And my only desire was to serve him. That was it. I, I had no ambition to be a a, 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 uh, have a title or a position or anything. Uh, in fact, I remember, uh, one time that, uh, that, you know, the pastor didn't have any elders in the church and they really needed some elders because he, he couldn't keep up with everything. And, you know, it would be helped to have helpful to have some elders. Uh, and, uh, and I remember the elders before that he just railed against all of them until they all quit the church, <laughs> and then and then and he didn't have any elders for a long time, and but but for whatever reason he decided he's going to have elders, uh, and uh, so uh, one night during church, you know, it is a Wednesday night, he said, Chip, uh, you want to be one of the elders? And I really paused because I knew what he was like. I'm thinking, you know, Lord, not really, because everyone else he shot broke a kneecap, buried him in the backyard, said terrible things about their dog. I mean, just, you know, you've been really rude and unkind to every elder that's showed up before me. Uh, But I also knew if I said no, man, it'd be, I mean, uh, how much wrath would would I have to suffer under if I said no, right? So it was a 50-50 yes, was as close as I could get. Uh, and, uh, and to this day, I regret saying yes, because after that, it was just, you know, hell on earth. I mean, it got even worse after that. It's like, because he, there just something in my pastor. He just, he hated to, to, uh, to, uh, and I don't even know the best way to say it, but he, he just, he just really struggled with um, uh, submission. Because see, I, I have to submit to you because you're the members of this church, Right. And you know, if you all say, "Hey, pastor, we'd really like to have church on Thursdays too," you know, I, I would probably have to do that. You know, I mean, I'd pray about it, and, and uh, but you know, the, the, there is a level of submission that I that I yield to you guys because I should, right? I mean, you know, we're all church family here, and although I'm the pastor and the highest authority, but still, the Bible says, "Submit you one to another." Uh, and he just, there was just something about him. And just I don't know, he, just, when it came to those things, anything that that. See, he, saw, he was so suspicious of people trying to overthrow his ministry. Because, and people had. People, there was one lady prophesied over him, said, if you don't hand your ministry over to my husband, you will die. She said, prophesied that by the word, she said, the Holy Ghost told me that if you don't hand your church over to my pastor, you're going to die. Now that sounds a little self-serving, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, if the Lord told me that, well, I ain't saying that. You get somebody else to say, and there's no way I'd say, uh, uh, unless you hand this over to my wife, uh, you're going to die. There's no way. I mean, there's no universe that if the Lord Jesus appeared to me himself, I'd be like, Lord, there's no way. How could I do that without looking like uh, I'm being self-serving, right? There's just no way. Because he said, flee the very appearance of evil, right? Uh, And I'd be like, Lord, I would violate your your word to do what you just asked me to do. And I, I can't do that, Lord. And I, w- I, w- I mean, there's just no way, you know, if I thought that there's just no way I would ever say something like that. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the odd thing about that particular person is my pastor died uh, in uh, spring of 2007. That lady that prophesied that died in January of the same year, about three months before he died. Uh, now, the Lord didn't kill her. You know, but she did open up her door to the devil. When you say things like that, I mean, that's just, that's just devilish, right, to say stuff like that. Uh, and so, so for years, every waking moment was completely consumed with anxiety in my life. And I, and I knew these verses. I knew what the word says. But I couldn't find my way out of it. But I was determined I would. And eventually I did, you know. And nothing changed on the outside. My pastor was still mean to me, still unkind to me, still got my face screaming at me, you know. Still accuse me of all manner of evil, but after a while, it's like, man, I'm good, I'm good, you know, and and these verses, are what got me out of it. And so, uh, so it's not like, well, you never have nothing to worry about. You would not, you would, you wouldn't even know, you would have not have known me, uh, if you knew me. And and you know, and I don't know that I've ever apologized to my wife, enough about just being a zombie for years. You know, because, you know, I, now I still took care of the kids, still went to work, still did mowed the yards, still, you know. It wasn't like I, you know, some people, they go through that, they just find a hole in the ground and go bury themselves, you know, and separate themselves from life. I never missed a day of church, uh, never missed a day of work, um, but uh, still just every moment of time was consumed that. Last thing I went to bed, when I, last thing I thought of when I went to bed, first thing I thought of when I woke up. Uh, and uh, if it wasn't for these verses and, and the care of the Lord to help me to get out of it, you know, I really thought at one time I would go insane. I really thought that nobody can sustain this level of just uh, of bombarding in their mind without just, just losing it at some point in time. Uh, and so, and, I, and there was really a desire for the people that were against me, not just my pastor, for that to happen because they had to be right. It was important for them, to, no matter the cost of the, of the people they, they caused to suffer, it was more important to them to be right. And, and so many people had come through that ministry and ended up just uh, shipwrecked in their faith. I mean, how many people do we know that went through that ministry and don't even go to church anymore? You know, they say they love God, but they can't uh, because they were hurt so bad. And, and how many people do you know just in general that have been hurt by churches and they won't go to church anymore? Uh, and, you know, the nice thing about this ministry, that'll never happen here. You know, now I, can't, I can't keep what one sheep does to another sheep. You know, that's, sometimes those things are going to happen but as far as from the, the leadership, that'll never happen around here. Uh, and, uh, and y'all can take confidence in that because uh, we will never... Now, it doesn't mean that we're always going to agree with everybody, right? Because there's people that do things or say things. Well, we don't, we're not going to do that. And they'll get mad and leave. But that's not on me. That's on them, right? But as far as me inflicting harm to anybody, that ain't going to happen, right? Not as long as I breathe air on this earth, it won't happen. Uh, and so, so he said, uh, be careful for nothing. So uh, that means that there's not anything that you go through life, that you're presented with in this life that's worthy to you to take one thought about, to have one care about. And, you know, for me, if you ever around me long long enough, you hear I say all the time, all is well, all is well. And the reason why I say all is well is because Philippians 4, 6 says, all is well. Philippians 4, 6 says that, that there's nothing that's worthy to be, to worry about. And, uh, and the way that I, I, I solve the problem, if there's something that comes into my life that that I would, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And if this goes this way, that's going to be bad. If it goes that way, it's going to be bad. And, and I don't see any way out of it, then what do I do? Then he tells us, in everything. Okay, so what things are, are exempt from praying about? Nothing, really. You have the ability to pray for everything. Is there anything that he said don't 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 bother me about that? No, he said in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Well, then there you go. So this thing's coming your way. You know, Lord, there's a financial crisis coming. Well, then what's your request? Lord, sustain me financially. Seemed like that'd be the appropriate request. If there's a financial crisis coming, right? Then Lord, sustain me financially. Show me what to do financially. You know, the Lord spoke to Brother Hagen years ago and said, uh, in this year, such such a year, there's going to be an economic downturn and a recession. Uh, You need to relieve, uh, it was like 14 people off your staff. And that day he went and and laid off 14 people or so, whatever the number was, it was around that number, off staff. And then the school uh, managed to ride out the economic downturn because the Lord told them what to do. Now, I'm sure, you know, if the Lord told them to do that, then the Lord would also take care of those people he had to let go, right? Because the Lord, he's not going to help you by harming somebody else. Uh, now, if some, well, he, he got harmed because they left. Well, there's other jobs out there, and, and the Lord can take care of them, too. Uh, and, and, you know, it, besides that, you know, you never uh, lay off the best employees, right? You don't go, who's the best employee? Me. Okay, you're fired. Nobody does that, right? Uh, they, who's the best employee? Me. Okay, then you get to stay. All, you, all the other ones can go, right? Uh, so, so that's how you do So you've got a problem. Whatever the problem is, then you should have a request. Isn't that what he says? Right. Let your request be made known unto God. See, by fretting and worrying, there's no requesting. There's no asking. It's just you're just spinning your wheels, right? You're just uh, treading water. You're just barely keeping from drowning. But there's no request. And well, if the Lord, if the Lord wanted to help me, He would. It's not what it says. It says you got a problem, you make a request to heaven. And and we know that if we make a request, ask Him what. It shall be given unto you, right? Didn't he say that if, my, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, ask what you will and what? Yeah. Shall be done unto you. So we know that if a request is made and we make the request, then we have the guarantee that that request will be satisfied as long as it meets the other criteria, right? You know, we can't say, well, Lord, you know, put that economic downturn on them. You know, you can't do that, right? You can't, well, Lord, make them broke. Don't make me broke, you know. That, that, that's not, we don't make those kinds of requests, right? And those are obvious uh, but your request should be, Lord, uh, uh, get me out of this hole, right? Protect me from this from this harm. You know, get me, uh, uh, if it's a financial problem, then Lord, uh, uh, you figure out a way to fix these finances. Uh, and, and uh, you know, and if it's, it's finances, you know, I'll tell you what, what my observation has been over the years. I've never met anybody that was in a financial crisis, you know, in the sense of they're going to come and take your house away crisis. That was ever a tither, never, not one. Now, you know, I have seen plenty of times when, when finances get tight. But, you know, the Lord's wisdom, you get out of it, right? Just like, you know, Brother Hagin, the, the finances were tight. But the Lord showed him how to get out of it. He didn't give him more finances. He showed him how to deal with what he had, right? Uh, and so, um, you know, there's, now I know there's always more finances, but sometimes the Lord says, here's how you deal with the thing with the hand dealt to you. As opposed to, I'm going to take that hand away from you. Because we don't need to prescribe to the Lord how he solves the problem. Uh, if, if there's a problem, then the, let, let the Lord tell you how to deal with that problem. Whatever it is, right? If he says, sell this, what do you do? to sell that? You know, if he says, keep it, but then do this with it instead, you know, then you do, keep it and you do it with that instead, right? So uh, it, it's, uh, it's whatever, whatever the answer to the request is, is what you do, right? Uh, and so, uh, so part of the problem uh, sometimes too in, in Philippians 4, 6 is we prescribe to the Lord how we're going to get out of something. And, and so, you know, your prayers, you know, in one hand, they do need to be specific, right? Hey, Lord, there's this specific problem and I need a specific answer for this problem. Uh, but be careful of dictating to the Lord how he solves your problem, because you reckon he's smarter than you. Oh, yeah. You know, he probably knows one or two things that you don't know yet. Maybe. I don't know. You know, I mean, he's been around a little while. So so try not to tell him how to do his job. Amen. Uh, and so. Philippians 4, 6 is completely self-contained. It tells you how to get out of the situation that you're in. Uh, No matter what it comes, right? No matter what worries come, you make a request. And see, if you really believe that your request to be answered in the affirmative, yes, then what what is there to worry about? I mean, there's really nothing to worry about, right? If, If you know this is coming and I prayed about it and the Lord said, he'll protect me, well, then... What is there really to worry about? What if it falls through? Then there'll be another thing behind that. What if that job, what if that prob, uh, job falls through? Well, then there'll be another job. Uh, well, what if that happens? Well, there be something else. So, you know, it, it's, uh, and, you know, I think I've told you the story when, when um, uh, you know, I was working for, one co- for a company one time and they just said, well, we're going to lay you all off because, you know, uh, some new guy came into power in the company and, you know, sometimes these guys don't have any, clue of what they're doing so they just laid us all off even though our little group of, of engineers had saved the company like 15 million dollars the year before that maybe 20 million dollars in in potential uh cost of of warranty claims different you know well that's a lot of money he didn't care yeah just get rid of them. okay fine but you know it, it was a, a very unique group of individuals that were really good we were really good at what we did uh, probably, I, I mean, world-class good, that type of good, you know, things that we did in that group that nobody in the industry had ever done before. And we were doing stuff like that just because the Lord brought this really great uh, group of people together. He didn't care. Get rid of them all. Okay, fine. And he said, unless you want to move to Detroit. I mean, uh, if anybody from Detroit's watching, love you all, but I have no interest in moving to Detroit, you know. I mean, it's just uh, the Lord wanted me to stay there. And, uh, and the Lord, what do you want me to do? Stay there. Okay. So now I'm, you know, I'm going to lose my job, but the Lord's told me to stay. So he's obligated to, to fix it, right? Isn't he obligated to take care of me? If he says to stay, then he's obligated to do something about it. So now I didn't just sit around and do nothing. I put together a really nice resume, had all kinds of colors on it, really cool. And, uh, you know, s- uh, submitted it to all kinds of different companies in the area. Hey, you know, be glad to talk to you. Love to talk to you about getting a job over there. I mean, I did my part, went to interviews, you know, talked to people, uh, different things. And, um, uh, you know, eventually I got a job. But I never, I never was concerned from the time that I got laid off to the time, you know, because they told us on day one and then we had like 30 days or 60 days or whatever it was until, until we no longer actually had a job. Uh, and, and so I didn't fret it at all because if one job fell through, I just need one job. I don't need 12. So what if that job fell through? It's their loss, right? They missed an opportunity to hire me. I was a great engineer, right, at the time. I'm not an engineer anymore, but... Um, and so, no need to worry about it. Uh, and, and I was doing jail ministry. I'd go into jail ministry every week. And, say, uh, and I, I told them, hey, I'm losing my job. What are you going to do? I said, let's see what the Lord does. You want to? And every, have you got a job yet? Nope. What are you going to do? I said, let's see what the Lord do, what is going to do. You want to? Uh, and it really gave them a good opportunity to watch my faith because I had, I was under no concern, no pressure whatsoever. Uh, you know, by that time, you learned a few things from the Lord, uh, and um, let's just see what the Lord's going to do. You want to? I, well, and then when I got the job, they were so excited. Right, I got a job. See, it, it's actually an upgrade from the last job I had. You know, I moved into management. You know, and and uh, um, for a good company, and, and it was a it was a good job. Right, and it, and it was the last corporate job that I had there. Uh, and so before I went into into the ministry, uh, so, so there's no, see, because the care was there, you need a job, but then I made him a request, Lord, you know, uh, find me a job, you know, and I, and I told him, Lord, I want a job. It's got to be at least as good as what I'm doing, you know, or better. I'm not going to take a major pay cut. I'm not going to take, you know, uh, uh, an entry level job. I'm not going to, you know, work at a, you know, uh, uh, And I'm not trying to diminish entry-level jobs. It's just, you know, I've been in in the the business for many years. I didn't need to start at the beginning. And even when I got the job, my my boss said, uh, uh, I said, well, how much much vacation I got? He said, same thing as as any new hire. I said, no, 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 no. I said, I've been around long enough. I ain't starting at zero. We're going to start at at this number right here. And he goes, okay. (laughs) Because I told the Lord, I said, we're not going back. You know, we're not starting back at, you know, I mean, usually you get, Two weeks vacation, right? You have to work like five years, you know, to get three weeks of vacation. And, you know, 10 years, you get four weeks of vacation. Well, I was almost at the point of working uh, for uh, to get four weeks of vacation. Uh, And I said, no, we're not going backwards. You know, we're going forwards. And uh, in fact, after I got the job, I made that change uh, in the company for all the new people we hired. I said, look, if you've got so many years of experience, we're going to give you the same vacation uh, as that the day you start here so that you don't have to start back over at, at two weeks of vacation. I mean, you go to Europe, you get six weeks vacation just showing up, right? It's a pretty good deal in Europe. Of course, they tax you, you know, 80% of your income, right, too, right? So, you know, there's some trade-offs there, right? I'd rather have my level of taxation here. As bad as we think it is sometimes, you go to Europe, they tax everything, right? They tax your dog, tax your cat. I mean, it's everything, right? Uh, and so, so that's, how you, that's how you solve the problem. You have something that comes into you. You make a request. And if you have faith that the request is going to be answered, what's there to worry about? Well, I don't know what's gonna happen. You but you made a request. You knew she know what's gonna happen. He's gonna answer that request. So what why would we ever worry? There there's really no if you follow Philippians 4 and it's just one verse, right? It's not even is this complicated verse to understand? Not even complicated. If you do this first, never worry again the rest of your life. Never. Not a single thing. What about my kids? That's covered. What about my job? That's covered. What about my dog and cat? They're all covered, right? Because it it didn't say Be careful for nothing as long as it's in the financial realm. Be careful for nothing as long as only your kids. Be careful for nothing except for your animals. I ain't going to help you with the animals. Did he say any of that? No, it says be careful for nothing. So uh, I'm going to say, well, Lord, you said careful for nothing. And so uh, here's my request. I want this to happen. I want that to happen. I want this job. I don't want to go back. I want to go forward. I want this or that, you know, Uh, and I wasn't greedy. I didn't say I want to be the king of the earth, right, and go beyond my level of faith. Uh, you know I had plenty of faith to get at least a job that I had uh in and, and being a good job and uh and allowed me to to finish up working in in the corporate world uh, and so uh let's turn over to uh to uh first Peter chapter five and we'll look at the other verse you know the, these two verses really are are the two cornerstones of, of uh, uh of casting your care upon the lord so uh 1 Peter 5, 7, well, you've got to read 5, 6, really, to get to 5, 7. Uh, he says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So, uh, you know, humbling yourself, um, the Lord gave me the, the best revelation. You know, I, it, to this day, it helps me so much when I, when I think about what this word means. Because most of the time, when people think of humble, they, they think diminish you know, uh, be self-effacing. Oh, I'm not really that good. You know, oh, you know, no, everybody's better than me. Oh, you know, don't look at me. I'm just a humble servant of the Lord, you know. A lot of people think that being humble means to degrade yourself, right? Uh, and that's not what it means at all. Humble means to, to remain under. Well, who are we to remain under? What's the Red Say, Humble yourselves where? Under the mighty hand of God. So we remain under the Lord, right? Now, that sounds obvious, but when you say uh, the Lord didn't come through, you know what you're doing? You're not staying under the Lord. You've stepped out from being under the Lord, and you've got your own doctrine. If you stay under the Lord, then you say, well, His word says that He'll come through, so then I have to believe that He's coming through. See, that's you staying under Him. As soon as you say, well, God doesn't do miracles anymore, then you're no longer under the Lord. You've stepped outside from under His word, and you've made up your own own vocabulary, your own words that, that aren't true. But because you don't believe the Lord, you've stepped out from being under him and you're all on your own. Uh, and if you're in pride, well, there's nobody better than me. I'm so awesome. I can't hardly stand myself. Uh, well, then you're no longer under the Lord. You know, you've changed your position, right? And really, pride is the opposite of humility. We all know that. But pride, really, pride is not um, just, I'm so wonderful, I can't hardly stand myself. Because humility says to remain under and pride is to remove yourself from under the Lord. And you can do that either by saying that you're so wonderful or you could say, I'm the worst person in the world. Because aren't you a child of God? If you're a child of the most high God, you are not worthless. And if you say you are worthless, you're in pride because you've moved yourself from where you should be to where you should not be. That's really pride. That's the perfect definition of pride. We only think of half of it where you think, well, you're really good. That's only half of pride. The other half of pride is, well, I'm really no good. I'm worthless. Nobody could love me. That's also pride because you've removed yourself from where you should be, which is God loves me and he would do anything for me, to nobody can love me, not even God. Well, then that's pride. So humility says, Lord, if you say that I'm your child, praise God, I'm a child of God. If you say you love me, Lord, praise God you love me. If you say that, that uh, uh, I should humble myself uh, under the mighty hand of the Lord, then yes, sir, I'll be glad to do it. If you tell me to be anxious for nothing but by uh, prayer and supplication for thanksgiving, I'll, I should let my request be made unto you, then yes, sir, I'll be glad to do that. If you said, uh, do not fret to have any anxiety about anything, yes, sir, I'll be, I'll be glad to do that. If you say, well, the Bible says, do not fret to have any anxiety about anything, but you just don't understand. You've immediately gotten into pride. You immediately said that your position... And your knowledge is greater than that of God, that you know more than he knows, that you are experiencing something that he could never understand. Is any of that true? None of it's true. But you, you are now in a position of pride and the Bible and, and Jesus said it's an abomination. That's a strong word, right? Pride is an abomination. When, when you say the Bible doesn't do what it says it does, then you are speaking abominable words about the Lord prideful words about the Lord. And we don't like to hear that right now because, you know, all of us are humble servants of the Lord. We would never think that we're wonderful. But how many of us think we're no count? How many of us think we're, we're of no value? How many of us have said God can't, can't do that? How many times have we said, oh, I'm worrying, I just can't stop worrying? Even though he literally says stop worrying, right? Because if you say you can't stop worrying, then what you're saying is the word uh, does not apply to my life. Then you've stepped out from under the Lord, You've made your own position as, I know more than the Lord knows. I know more than the Word knows. I know more than than what He said, that that what He said is unjust and nobody can do that. Well, that's a position of pride. Now, you know, none of us wants to be in pride, do we? Surely, as humble servants of the Lord, we don't want to be in pride. And yet, how many times have you been in pride? If that's the definition of pride, how many times have you been in pride? You know, we don't want to show our hands, do we, right? (laughs) Well, my guess is that would be like 105% of us, right, have been in pride. Uh, And so welcome to the real world, all is well, right? Uh, Because you can change, can't you? We can always change. So be careful about that, because if he says to humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord, then a humble servant of the Lord, when he reads the word of God, he goes, yes, sir, if that's what you said to do, then then I'll do that. Now, look, I know sometimes we know what the word says and we haven't found out how to do that. You know, sometimes it takes some effort to do that. It's not that we don't want to do it. You know, Paul said, I, I'm doing the things I don't want to do. I'm not doing the things I want to do. That's not pride. That, that's you finding your own salvation. That's you figuring out, Lord, I know that word says that. I'm, I'm still struggling with how to do that. Help me to do that. Help me to show me, teach me how to change it. And sometimes it takes some time. I understand that. So I'm not talking about the, the normal struggles of life of Christians trying to find how to follow the word of God. I'm just talking about that prideful that can't be done and just write it off. Like, well, well, nobody can live that way and just write it off as if it's not even true and write it off as if God didn't really mean that. That's really dis- disrespectful to the Lord. You know, uh, and, and we all know when you cross that line of, you know, well, Lord, I'm really trying, but you're not really trying. I mean, you ever say, I'm trying? You're not really trying. I mean, sometimes you say that, you ever said that, and you really, you really know that you're not really trying, you know? Um, it's going to take me a while. You know, I'm working through it. Are you really working through it? Are you just saying you're working through it, right? I mean, I don't know. That's between you and the Lord, right? But, I mean, how many times have you said that? And, you know, I don't really mean that. I'm just, you know, I just want to be mad for a while. I'll I'll plan on getting over next Tuesday. Well, why not today? Well, no, no, Tuesday's good. But today can work too, right? No, no, I ain't doing it today. Maybe Tuesday. Okay, well, that's pride. Because you could do it right now, right? Uh, and I told you about the time I was mad, right? The time I got mad about something Chris had done, and and that's all I remember. I don't remember the specifics of what it was that she had done, and I can guarantee you this, though. It was nothing she'd done, right? It was just what I perceived that she'd done, right? Oh, she did wrong, you know? That much I can know, and I was just kind of steaming it, you know, uh, just in my own self, and the Lord just spoke to me. He said, you know, you can quit being mad anytime you want to. I mean, it's just as real to me as the day he said that. You, You can quit being mad, really, Anytime I want to. Yeah. No, really? Any Anytime I want to, I can quit mad. Yeah. Because see, that, was that the way you was raised? The way I was raised is you get mad until just steam runs out, and then, then you can quit being mad, right? When the steam's done, then you're, stopped, you're not mad anymore. That's the way I was raised. But the Lord said, anytime you want to. Really? I mean, it to me, it's one of the greatest revelations he's ever told me, because just as soon as he said that, I wasn't mad anymore. And I've learned, you know, I can just stop being mad. Well, you can't just stop being mad. Any doctrine that says you don't have a choice is false doctrine. Right. Every time you're mad, you have a choice. In the very moment of being mad, does not be mad. Now, if it's righteous anger, you know, I mean, if I saw an innocent person getting hurt, you know, I'd be right, I'd be angry, right? And that'd be okay, right? I'm not talking about that kind of anger. I'm talking about, you know, you burned the biscuits and how dare you, right? Or, you know, you didn't, you didn't fluff up my pillow like I asked you to, you know, how dare you? Uh, you know, I told you when I, when I first got married, I had delusions that, you know, when I was growing up, my mom would wait on my dad hand and foot. I mean, you know, time for dinner, and we had, you know, 11 kids, and, and my dad would get the food. He'd get the you know, best chicken leg first, and, and, no, and all of us rabbit animals would have to wait, right? We'd have to sit there and wait, you know, and, and we're all waiting, and, and nobody moved until dad got everything he wanted, right? And then sometimes uh, he didn't want to eat with all the rabble rousers, so, so my mom would go set up a, a, a card table in his recliner in the living room. And he'd go eat at his table in the living room and watch TV while all of us riffraff children were in the, in the kitchen, you know, fending for our very lives, right? And, and I just thought, man, it'd be sweet when I get to be a husband. My wife's going to do that, and I, she just, just answer, you know, give me the best chicken legs, you know, and stuff, and I get married, and she's like, you know, if we have a first kid, and I don't even exist anymore, what are you, hey, I'm the king, Where's my king? I want my crown. I want my table. You know, where's, you know, and, uh, I, I never said that. Did I ever said that? Where's my table? You know, uh, I mean, I, but I did think it many times, you know. How come she, you know, come home and the newspaper's not at my table? You know, where's my slippers? And I mean, you know, what in the world? You know, uh, isn't that, I thought this was the way it was supposed to be. And, and I just thank God I never said any of that. <laughs> Some things are best never never said, right? Just dying the vine, vine as thoughts. and, and, and um, uh, Terrible, I mean, you know. But uh, I waited for a long time for it to happen. Uh, maybe it's going to happen today. You know, it never did happen. Ever. Not one time. Uh, and so... <laughs> uh, uh, what's that? I guess... That be, yeah. <laughs> yep, so... Anyway, uh, but... Uh, uh, We should stay humble. Amen. Under the mighty hand of God. Uh, And if we'll stay humble means to stay under. Right. So I am always a servant of the most high God. And that he he is the only one I serve. I serve no man. I serve no king. I serve no president. I serve only the most high God. Uh, And and if I do that, I will always be okay. And he said he will exalt you in due season. Right. Uh, and, And, you know. No, I believe that. So the Lord is the Lord against exalting people. No, the Lord's against people exalting people. Amen. Uh, and so then uh, then he starts in verse seven, casting all your care. You know, Peter did mention that he that he read Paul's writings. I wonder if he read Philippians. Right. Um, you know, he didn't say specifically what he read, but that sounds exactly like Philippians Philippians four, six, doesn't it? casting all of your care. Right. Uh, upon him, for he careth for you, and, and the word cast means to throw, right? It doesn't mean just gently handle over, right? Gently hand over to the Lord. He said, throw, get rid of them. You know, throw them out. I ain't putting up with this anymore. Uh, you know, if you just throwing, if you just tossing something in the trash, you didn't, But if you're throwing something away, you know, you just, you know, you're going to throw it away. It's going to be far from you, uh, and, and so it's not just barely. You just kind of push it off the edge of your desk, right? You're throwing it, getting rid of it. The Amplified version of that verse says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, and I like this next part, once and for all, once and for all. You know, if you're casting the same exact care to the Lord every single day, you probably never casted it to begin with, right? I understand understand sometimes it does take some effort, right? Where you cast it and, you know, the devil, he's going to come back tomorrow with that same thought. But I guarantee you, if you'll stay with this, those thoughts will dissolve after a while and they will no longer be all consuming in your mind. Uh, And so he said, once and for all on him. Well, why, why, why should we do that? I'm glad you asked, right? He said, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. I really like the amplified version. He cares for you affectionately. So it's not just, all right, I'll help you out. That's not affectionately, right? That's, that's you know, he'll tolerate you, but he really doesn't want to. You know, he, he's disappointed that he has to help you one more time. That's not the Lord. He cares you affectionately. I'll be glad to help with that. No, no problem at all. What can I do to help? That's what an affectionately uh, caring God does for you, right? And cares for you watchfully, cares about you watchfully. You know, he does watch your life. Watch what you're going through. Watch the events occurring in your life. Uh, and so... What he wants you to do then is when those cares come, Lord, you take care of it. However you want to take care of it, you take care of it. You know, if you want to do mercy, you want to do whatever, scorched earth, Lord, I don't, it, none of my business. You do it however you take care of it, however you want to. Uh, and, and then he'll deal with it, right? Uh, and, and so uh, the Phillips Philipp, translation of that says, you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, for you are his personal concern. You know, cares have weight. You ever been weighed down with cares? It's felt really like can't, I mean, just suffocating, right? Sometimes cares can just overwhelm your physical life. Well, you can't, I can't get out of bed. That's the weight of cares, right? You ever been there? I mean, I've been there. Uh, and he uh, said, you got to throw it off. You ever been on a heavy blanket? You got to throw it off, right? I mean, you, it's hard to get out from it unless you throw it off, right? Uh, and so. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what a person of faith does. Throws the weight, uh, the whole weight. So, uh, well, you know, I, there's some things I just need to worry about. No, that's not the whole weight, right? You have the capacity, the ability, the freedom, the right and privilege as a child of God to live a completely, totally carefree life. Not worried about anything? All is well. What about that? All is well. What about that? All is well. Well, how do you know that? Because he said, literally says he, literally says he cares about you, right? that he's going to take care of all your cares and worries and woes and anxieties and threats and, and, uh, and heaviness and weight. Okay, if, if he does all that, what's left for me to be concerned about? Uh, well, is that true? I mean, can he really do that? Well, it says he could, right? I mean, if we believe it, again, as humble servants of the Lord, we should read this verse and go, yes, sir. I'll be glad to cast all of my care. Whatever it is, all. What about this? That would be part of all, right? Anything on the list is part of all. And so we're supposed to cast or throw those cares upon him because uh, he cares about us. That's a pretty good reason, right? So he's not uncaring. You know, to listen to some people speak about the Lord, they'd think that the Lord could care less about them. I mean, a lot of Christians, the way they talk about the Lord, he doesn't heal them, he doesn't prosper them, he doesn't uh, deliver them, he doesn't speak to them. I mean, that's what you do for somebody you don't care about. What about that guy that lives on, on uh, Second Avenue in Wyoming? What are you doing for him right now? I don't even know. Him. I, don't, I mean, I'm not helping him at all. Well, that's the way some people think that, about the Lord, right? That he doesn't even know you. You're just some number, right? Uh, well, that's not, if he cares for you affectionately, he cares about you watchfully, then how could he not care about the, the things, right, in your life? Uh, and then the Weiss translation says, having deposited with him, once for all, the whole of your worry deposited with him. You know, when you deposit money in a bank, do you still hang on to it? You know, hey, hey, can you deposit this money? Well, You've got to give it to me. I ain't giving it to you. But you can't deposit it. You give it to me, right? Well, I don't know if I'm going to give it to you now. I mean, if that's the deal. That's the deal. Yeah, I don't know. No, you deposit with him and, and they lock it up. He locks it away, right? No longer yours. It's under his care. And can you see it? Can you go touch it? I came to touch my money. You can't touch your money. Get out of here. You can't go in the vault. They don't let you in the vault. They don't let you in the vault. I want to make sure it's still there. None of your business. You, you gave it to me. It's under my care. You go away. If you want to take it back, you can take it back, but you can't go touch it, right? Uh, and a lot of people, they go, I need a withdrawal worry. I need, I need that worry back. Uh, it doesn't say uh, having deposited with them uh, that uh, you go make a withdrawal every week. Is that what you're supposed to do? Can I get that worry on installment plan? I'd like, like $10 a worry every month back. Can I get that back? No, but some people do, right? I just need a little worry. I ain't got nothing to worry about. And some people, you know, they're, they're so used to worry, so, and it's become such a part of their life. You know, to be honest, they really wouldn't know what to talk about, what to fellowship about, what, what to just have uh, just simple conversation with people if they had nothing to worry about. Because you get around most people and you have a conversation with them, it, it immediately goes to what they're worried about, what what sickness they've got going on in their life, what pills they're taking, you know, how bad the economy is going to ruin their life, you know, all the conspiracy theories, right? Because you know all the th- theories on Facebook because they're all real, right? Because on Facebook it's real, uh, you know, all that stuff. I mean, w- w- what would they talk about? And they couldn't talk about all that stuff. How good God is, and how wonderful He is, and how much peace you live in, and you know, what do you you know what do you know? You know, people people just. They get mad at you sometimes when you ain't got nothing to worry about, you know. Uh, uh, there, were, there was a story when Brother Hagen was a pastor. He uh, was one of the last pastors, that uh, the churches he pastored at. Uh, and it was a troubled church. You know, everybody knew it was a troubled church. And they had a pastor's fellowship. Uh, and it, they, he'd go to the fellowship and they'd say, I'll go with the battle, brother. I'll go with the battle. And people love, would love to say, Oh, brother, I'm hanging in there like a hair on a biscuit. Oh, it's so hard. You know, I'm just, I'm making it. I'm making it, brother. I'm making it. How are you doing? Oh, not as good as you're doing, you know, but, you know, I'm taking a few arrows, but, you know, I'm going to be all right, you know, and it, it sounds good. It sounds spiritual, right? Yeah. Now, and, and they'd ask Brother Hagin, oh, Brother Hagin, how go the battle? He said, oh, I'm not going to care in the world. Uh, all is well. All. And they thought, you're crazy. We know about that church. We know how bad it is that every pastor had been burned that went through there and came out, you know, uh, barely making it out alive. And you've got that same church, and we know it's a troubled church. And it was a troubled church. He said he preached love like every week for a year. Love, worked, uh, pre- preached on love. Because so they were messed up, right? Uh, and see, they thought he had a character flaw. And yet he was really just a person of faith. He ain't got to care. Because, and he said, he said, look, if the Lord told me to go there, then it's on him. All the woes in the church are on him. All the troubles, they're on him. And he said, Lord, you know, I'm not taking a care. I'm not going to have a care at all of this church. If, it, uh, you know, one time his son called him up and said, dad, uh, somebody broke in the church and stole everything. All right. Anything else? No. OK, see ya. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, you all remember when, when the, the, the mini tornado came through and, and took off our awning? Right. And, and, and we only had it a year, right? The whole thing off this. Remember the hanging sign we used to have out there? Flipped the whole thing up. It had a, it had a pipe of concrete on the bottom of it. You remember the pipe there? It was filled with concrete, so it wouldn't do what it just did. The other bit, there was a lot of wind that did that, right? Ripped the whole thing off. The whole, the whole awning off. And someone from the church called me, Pastor, Pastor. The whole awning's ripped off, the, the front of the building. I said, anybody hurt? No. I said, Okay. We'll deal with it when we get back. What's that? Y'all no, on vacation. We, well, no, we were at brother randy services you know uh i mean you know that's work right i mean you've got to work you got to go two services a day get dressed up and pretty and smell good every day right vacation you don't take a bath for a week right yeah. so that wasn't vacation i had to shave every day i mean wow it's, it's the worst uh and so but they you know they were all kind of concerned Oh, man, what are you gonna do nothing i mean I, i'm at these services you know i'm not gonna leave early why would i leave early did it change anything if i got here a day early the awning's still there right uh, the glass broke no okay so nothing for me to do thanks for letting me know and, and they just you know they said well there's just seems like something wrong with that boy you know i don't know i mean he's not worried about it at all you know and uh, and uh but what's their worry about right i mean you know it's just stuff nobody's harmed church didn't blow up explode I mean, if the church burned down you know i'm not believing God the church. well too late to do anything about it now right i mean uh, it's just because god's the answer for everything isn't he if he's the answer for that, awning, I mean, it wasn't even a deal, right? You called the insurance, they came, put new awnings on there. I mean, it wasn't even a deal. They had to make a few phone calls, and it was annoying that you had to make a few phone calls. But, I mean, that was really the extent of the issue, right? It wasn't, uh, we weren't even really out of any money that I remember. But, um, but see, uh, events like that occur, and people get all worked up. Oh, the whole awning is gone. I mean... That's it, I thought it was a big thing, right? I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was something going on. Well, yeah, don't you know, Pat? Yeah, but let you re, let all, cast all your care, right? Well, that would include an awning getting ripped off by a mini tornado, right? I mean, you know, it's uh, uh, something that a lot of people would worry about, but, you know, I'd learned a long time ago from, from all these things about, uh, from really from listening to a lot of Brother Hagin's messages about, they don't need to worry about it. Can't change that. So why should I worry? Is there anything, I mean, what would there to be worry about? Well, you know, you, you know, it just and, and, you, and, and here's, the, here's part of the issue, too, is you don't use logic to overcome worry. Well, you know, uh, the, the, the windows were okay and nobody was hurt, so then there's no need, just relax, and there's no need to worry. That's not why I didn't worry. I didn't worry because I cast all that care upon the Lord. He's going to figure all that out. He's going to take care of all that, right? Uh, and so you see, you cast all your care. I'm, I don't have to use any mental games. I don't have to use any psychology or psychiatry to overcome it. I cast all those cares on the Lord. And then he's good, right? Uh, isn't he good? He, he's always good. He's because doesn't he care about you affectionately and, and care about you watchfully? I mean, that's literally what we just read that, right? Uh, and so this is the last part of this verse, then in, in the week's translation, uh, deposited with them once for all the whole of your worry. Uh, because to him it is a matter of concern respecting you so that that concern that you might have that's a, a it's a matter of concern for him he sees that goes oh yeah boys get we, we need we need to help out down here as soon as they make the request we need to we need to get on the ball and take care of this but if the request never comes see then then he's not he's not authorized to assist He's only authorized to assist when you make the request, right? You know, uh, uh, a lot of times it's interesting to, to find out how the government works. You know, like a federal government, they have no legal right to just waltz in Dayton and, and help them with things. Dayton, Tennessee would have to call up the federal government and say, hey, we would like you to come in to assist. They have no legal right to come in and, well, you know, you guys need help. Now, Sometimes they could do some lawsuits and things like that. But in general, you know, I don't remember when all, like, all the flooding occurred from all the hurricanes over the years. You know, uh, FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management uh, uh, Agency, they're not legally allowed to just go in and help with a tornado or, or a hurricane. The state or the city or the government has to, the local government has to request the federal government to come and do it help. Uh, and there have been plenty of times when, well, we don't like that. We don't like that Republican or that Democrat in, in the office, so we're not going to ask. And then the people suffer because the local politicians are too prideful to ask the federal government to help. And I understand, you know, the worst words in the world are, I'm from the federal government, I'm here to help, right? Uh, but still, you know, they do have lots of money. They have trailers and food and, you know, helicopters and things that can assist. But unless that local government makes the request, the federal government is unable to, and, and, and it's against the law, for them to assist. And it's really the exact same setup, because he told us, let your request be made known to God. Cast your care upon him. If you don't do those things, then he's legally unable to assist you because it would be a violation of your will for him to do so. Uh, and so, uh, so these, uh, these are great verses. I mean, you could, if you learn these verses, you will live a life that just just you know, uh, just chilled out easy, right? So we've got a couple more verses to look at, and we'll, um, uh, we'll look at them um, well, we'll start looking at them next week. I've we'll, uh, got no promises, right? But, but I really believe that the prayer of commitment is for your day-to-day life, as far as living a life of ease and a life of joy and a life of peace, that the prayer of commitment is the greatest prayer that you'll learn to exercise in your personal life. And if you can learn that and live in that, then, then you'll be a person who has no cares and no worries all the days of your life, no matter what comes your way, right? no matter how big, how small, how in between that you'll never uh, have a care in all the days of your life. And it's really a great way to live, amen? I think it's a great way to live. I have learned to live that way for many years now, and I wouldn't give it up for anything. You know, every now and then those cares will rise up in my life. And it's like, nope, I'm not going there. I'm not going there at all, amen? Uh, and um, uh, and it's, a, it's a great way to live, amen? So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, that uh, you care about us affectionately, Father, uh, uh, and, and um, you care for us affectionately and care about us watchfully. And so, Lord, we thank you that you do. And because you do care about us, Father, then we can make requests known unto you and you will answer our requests. And, Father, when you do, then the answer, Father, gives us the reason that we have no need for fear and no need for anxiety and no need for worry. You will handle it, Father. How you do it, when you do it, is entirely up to you, Father, but we know that you will do it. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And we thank you for being so caring about us. We believe that we uh, are your children and that you care about us and will move on our behalf when we make the request to you. And so, Father, we just thank you for that in advance. Uh, And thank you also for all the times that you've done that for us in the past. And we commit our hearts, Father. We dedicate our hearts to staying humble under you, Father, and to remain exactly where we're supposed to remain, under you by faith. And under your word by faith and, and under your spirit by faith. We thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Um, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And um, if, if you, you need to give an offering for how much this uh, service was worth to you, that's a lot of zeros, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, psychologists charge, what, $200 an hour to talk to, talk to them? Something like that, you know? Uh, I won't charge you only half that, you know, and so that's a pretty good deal, right? And so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and you know, I'm being facetious, right? Uh, you do whatever the Lord tells you to do. Uh, and so, uh, but, um, you know, you really could never pay what the word is worth, right, in your life. It, 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 it's too invaluable. Um, and so, uh, well, I'm going to pay for what it's worth. You really can't afford it, right? Uh, and so we just put a small down payment. It's really what we do on it. Amen. And so the Lord's good. Eh? Uh, and so don't forget, uh, we have church on Sunday and then um, healing school Sunday afternoon. And um, uh, let's see, it's still April there. So we've got a ways to go before Mother's Day. But the Mother's Day is our next church meal, right? So be blessed. Have one wonderful week and Lord and you're dismissed.